Cape Talk. Plan B with Rebecca Davis. Good afternoon, Rebecca Davis. Good afternoon, John Matham. Where shall we start? At the very beginning, which I think is the EFF. When you read, you begin with ABC. When you sing, you begin with Do Re Mi. When you politic, you begin with EFF. That's right. So the EFF, as we know, have been in the news this week after one of my colleagues, Marianne Tam, discovered evidence of, how should we put it, a lavish lifestyle at odds with their stated policies and principles in the trash from a guest house they stayed in after the State of the Nation address. So it got me interested, John, not so much in in this particular case, but in this question of politicians and authenticity, because it's kind of a truism now. We talk often about how politicians must walk the walk, not just talk the talk, or you can't walk left and talk left and walk right. You know, there's a lot of walking metaphors involved with politicians. And I was wondering how important it is really for politicians to have to maintain complete consistency in what they say and how they live. What are you? What, I mean, what's your knee-jerk take on that? My knee-jerk take is that it's very important. Mm-hmm. I mean, a hundred percent consistency is probably asking too much. None of us is entirely consistent. We all have little sort of errors of mislogic where we believe something fervently, and there is a little behavioural tick of ours which is at odds with that. But I think generally, if a p- politician stands up from a public platform in whatever form, whether it's a manifesto or a speech or a parliamentary address, whatever, and says ABC, then if that politician behaves DEF, then I think judgment is required. I agree. You're not not entirely convinced. No, no, I agree. I've been mulling this over genuinely this week. And I read an interesting study about hypocrisy and why hypocrisy angers us so much, which was from Yale University in 2017. Because there is something about hypocrisy that seems to get us a lot more angry than, for instance, straightforward deceit. If someone lies to you just out of nowhere, it's considered less a betrayal and less enraging somehow than this kind of hypocrisy. So the example they gave was, say you have a colleague And this colleague is always banging on about environmentalism. So they're always preaching the necessity of recycling, saving water, etc. And then you happen to go to this colleague's house socially and you find out that they don't recycle, that they're taking 15-minute showers. And you feel, I think, I mean, even thinking about it, I'm getting angry. It's, It's There's something about that that's really enraging. And what they decided about this is that the reason people dislike hypocrites so much is that their outspoken spoken moralizing falsely signals their own virtue. So it's not so much about the discrepancy. It's about moralizing. That there's something about people being preachy about an issue and then failing to live up to that themselves that gets people very irritated. But the, the other point here, John, is that you can make a case that even though your colleague is not living out environmental principles in his own life, he's still having a positive impact by preaching environmentalism. Perhaps you've been listening to him go on about it for so long that you've actually absorbed it and you go home and you do recycle and you do take take shorter showers. So even though he doesn't live it, the net impact of him banging on about it has been more positive than if he didn't say anything, didn't even pretend to have an opinion on the environment. But the net impact would be greater if there were 
consistent evidence that what he or she is banging on about is what she or he is living in his or her own life. Well, that's what I was thinking about. Is that true when it comes to politicians? So I would argue that two of the most authentic and consistent politicians currently on the global stage are the UK Labour leader Jeremy Corbyn and the American President Donald Trump. Not to say that Trump is not deceitful because he is. We know he's told hundreds literally of lies but I think we can agree that since gaining office there's nothing he's done or said that is inconsistent with what we believed about him as a person beforehand would you agree I, I, I think he pretends to a kind of virtue which his life um, and his his behavior undercuts I'm not sure about that let's let's go on to Corbyn so Corbyn is the le- the uber lefty labor leader in in the UK, who really does live his principles. I mean, this is a man who's forever to be found cycling around and, you know, weeding his allotment, living in some dingy little flat and spending a lot of his time thinking and reading and etc. And the net effect, John, is that I would argue he's not a very effective politician. He doesn't play the game in the way that is expected of politicians. He doesn't you know, participate in the necessary rituals or photo shoots, etc. He lives this kind of lifestyle that a lot of people find, frankly, depressing, even though it is entirely principled. And as a result, he doesn't he doesn't get very far. So, but Jacinda Ardern, for example, mm-hmm. is is a politician whose influence extends well beyond the country, New Zealand, of which she is prime minister. And that is because she is living proof of somebody whose politics matches their private life. As far as we know. And we as don't far know as we know. I, mean, I don't yeah. know nothing about Jacinda Ardern. Every politician, I think we can agree, has an element of hypocrisy. I mean, we've got Musi Maimane leading the DA, which is an avowedly pro-gay rights party now. And we know that in his private life, at least a few years ago, Musi Maimane was preaching that gay people are sick, etc. And yet I think we accept that contradiction there a lot more easily. So I think there's also something to be said for the fact that we are much less accepting of hypocrisy from our rivals, from people we already dislike. In those who we have more empathy towards, we can easily, much more easily explain it away. Obama I'm, more di- I'm more disappointed by hypocrisy in somebody on whose side I have naturally found myself. Th- that, that could be true too, but I think there's an anger and a delight in exposing the hypocrisy of a rival, a real kind of schadenfreude, and I saw that this week. But this is what I wanted to say too, John. You remember a few years ago, Woolworths found itself in the firing line for selling Israeli tomatoes and I don't, can't remember what it was, various Israeli products. And it was targeted by groups like BDS, other activist groups. And when people said, okay, but look, ShopRite and Pick and Pay also sell those products. Why are you going after Woolies? The ostensible argument was because Woolies holds itself to a higher standard, because Woolies is always pretending to be virtuous and trying to do better, etc. And look, here's this gulf in its practice of importing these goods. And it strikes me that if we if we become a culture where we are, and I'm not saying we're here, that we're obsessed with pointing out the gulf between principle and action, then I fear that there will be no incentive for anyone, be it a person or a corporation, to try to do better, lest they be caught in a misstep. Do you know what I mean? I think there has to be a place 
for ideology, which perhaps is yep. not always matched. By yeah, one's but but I, th- I think there's a difference between that person who is preaching environmentalism and persuading us mm-hmm. with the passion of her environmentalism to become more environmental ourselves. There's a gap between going to that person's home and finding out that you know the bath has obviously been used four times that day, and there's litter everywhere, and you know there's plastic thrown in the garden or whatever the case may be. There's a difference between that and going to pick and pay and seeing that person walk out with goods in two plastic bags. What, what one is is signs of a, a consistent, persistent denial of what is preached. Mm. The other is a small misstep. Damn, I forgot my, I forgot my um, reusable bags at home. I've got more stuff that I can safely carry in my arms. So just today I'm going to take two plastic bags. Mm. I would agree with that. I'm not saying there's an answer to this, and I do agree yeah. that the EFF has been hypocritical, and I understand the enjoyment we we get from that and from other cases as well. I just think we need to think through some of these ideas about why we care so much about authenticity and whether we should place so much strength on that. I got a, an email earlier saying, John, why are you so opposed to women's soccer? Rebecca, why are you so in love with the Women's World Cup of football? Let me quote a tweet that is doing the rounds from someone in apropos of the Women's World Cup. All this time I thought I hated football. Turns out I just hate men. <laughs> that is satirical. Please can no one phone in. But I think it does reflect a wider sentiment that I've heard actually from a number of my friends. So particularly friends overseas whose teams are still in the World Cup have been following this tournament with very close attention. And it is the sense that soccer, this game that has previously perhaps not been of great interest to women, there is something about having this Women's World Cup, which is the most prominent, I would argue, you know, spectacle of women's soccer to date that really seems to have captured the attention of women for the first time because we're watching women play it. And there's something hugely pleasurable about seeing these fit, athletic, wonderful women playing soccer so well. What it, what, what on earth is your objection to this? That they're not playing it that well. Did you watch the UK versus the USA? I did. United? And, 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 and let, let, let me say about? that, uh, let me let me contextualize my comments by saying I have less and less appetite for sport watching generally. Mm-hmm. So when I do watch sport, I want to watch sport played at its pinnacle. Mm-hmm. So I, I find women's soccer as interest, as uninteresting as I find um, the second rank of men's soccer in, in the English leagues. I see. And I, and I, I want to watch, unless I have an emotional stake, so a son or a daughter playing for the under 13 C's, then I'm deeply involved. And I find that for whatever, I'm not sure what the reasons are, but I'm becoming less and less emotionally involved with tennis players, with football teams, with cricket teams, maybe because there's so many teams and they've become so sort of de-individualized okay, through the IPL and so on. But let's so, go back to your first point, which was the claim that the quality of football played is poor. Well, I, I, I would argue that a men's fourth division side would comfortably, comfortably, beat both the USA and the English ladies side. Look, I'm so, so, yeah, I'm not interested in watching Cardiff, who are Premier League sides. I'm not interested in watching Cardiff against Fulham because the quality of the football is not as good as when Man City plays Liverpool. That's what I want to watch. I'm not sufficiently expert in football to judge the quality, but I will say that something noticeable, and not just noticed by me, but by pundits internationally, is the 
fact that the women dive so much less, there is so much less theatrics on the pitch, that they foul each other much less. It's a much cleaner and quicker game because there isn't any of that. And also what I love is that by definition, there aren't these massively egotistical, overpaid bloated football stars there because none of these women have actually ever had the opportunity to build up huge massive careers and successes and the rest of it they're all incredibly hard-working real actual sports people and that's something I've, you know if you're interested in like the purity of the game then i think there's something about women's football that should appeal to you particularly i'm not saying you are i'm just saying the world yeah i mean that is i do, I, I have looked at very little of it i did watch the entire game between the USA and 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 England, and I the lionesses, the lionesses. Do they hiss or do they roar? The lionesses, and I watched a fair bit of Sweden against the Netherlands, but then I got much more interested in Coco Goff, and so I started watching her instead. Um, yes, I, I I I am impressed by the fact that women are less theatrical, are less inclined, obviously to try and cheat. It does happen. I did see some theatrical falls, things that would not have been out of place on the pitch. Yeah, fewer, w- without a doubt, and with, with less intensity. And there, there, there does seem to be a greater sportspersonship. But the football's not very good. Well, I am so pro it now that, in fact, I'm going to start a petition to have the Men's World Cup referred to as the Men's World Cup. Because why should it be the Women's World Cup and the World Cup? They must both be called Men's World Cup, Women's World Cup. Well, the cricket has been called the, the Men's Cricket World Brilliant. Cup. Yeah, and, no, so and, and yeah, the first time I noticed that, I thought, yeah, good. Yeah, right. Let's let's not make the one the default and Correct. the other a sort of secondary. We are as of one mind as always, John. <laughs> no, we are not. <laughs> <laughs> Rebecca, thank you very, very much. Thank you, John. We will be chatting again next Thursday.